Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. For the taking, written by Shogun CDN. Captain Grala stood and strode into the forward command center, his reputation preceding him, causing the various lower-ranking staff to snap hastily to attention with equal parts fear and nervousness. The ranking officer in charge smoothed his fur on his face and assumed a submissive posture as the captain approached. The war with the humans was going badly, and the current situation at the outpost was reflective of that. The Malnard had come across this system quite by accident when the freighter had gone off course and discovered a planet rich with resources. By galactic law, the Malnard claimed salvage rights as the inhabitants of the planet had not yet developed hyperdrive capabilities. The Malnard forces soon arrived to claim what was theirs. What should have been a simple operation had turned into a nightmare of the Malnard. The hairless vipers may not have been conquered space, but the entire race seemed to have been bred for war. Their speed and stamina were astonishing enough, but what separated them from most species in the galaxy was their ability to take in and process information on the fly. They reacted to changes within the battles by quickly adapting and reforming their lines and tactics. When their commanders were killed, a new one would step up and assume control. Even lone soldiers seemed to be able to improvise with stunning effectiveness as one squad of Malnet had wound out after a few of them had been ambushed by a human soldier wielding nothing but a pointed stick. Only three Malnet out of fifteen survived that attack, and of those three, two were so traumatized that they were deemed unfit for service and vented from the airlock on one of the Malnet ships. By comparison, the Malnid, like most other species, were slow to compensate for such losses. The galaxy simply did not evolve this quickly, except here on Earth. Most space-bearing species took close to 10,000 years to get into space from the time they discovered the principle of electricity. Such a feat took time to research and study and deliberate. If human records were to believe, they achieved the same feat in less than 200 the first few hours of the attack had gone according to plan. The humans had been caught off guard by the sudden appearance of the Melnid ships and offered no resistance. Landing ships were deployed near large cities and troops began to offload equipment, killing any humans in the near vicinity to establish beachheads. That's when everything began to fall apart. The Melnid assumed that any species without hyperdrive would also not have anything more than primitive weaponry. This was perfectly reasonable assumption, but apparently the humans had been at war with each other for years and brought weapons almost as advanced as the Melnid had. Apparently, the same condition that made them so flexible in times of crisis also made them somewhat reckless in dealing with each other, and they were quick to begin wars and quicker to find better ways to kill each other. 
the malnourished ground forces soon began taking heavy losses as they tried to advance on Earth's capitals. Only their superior weaponry and orbital capabilities prevented it from becoming a complete rout. But the humans soon adapted by moving their military resources on the battlefield quickly, not giving the Malnet time to adjust and plan properly for the strikes. Then insane humans began launching nuclear missiles over their own planet. Many of the missiles were struck down, but the humans seemed to have an endless supply, and the few that got through the Malnet ship defenses were devastating, completely bypassing shielding meant to stave off beam weapons, not megaton nuclear explosions. Malnut High Command was at a loss to explain why a species would have stockpiled the nuclear weapons that could destroy their entire planet several times over. As the galaxy looked on, the Malnut were in a terrible position. It appeared that the preeminent species in the galaxy was being beaten back by some primitive animals. If the continued with the Malnet were looking at the possibility of losing some of their systems to revolt or outright theft by other species, they were being made to look weak. The decision was made to take Earth by all costs and make an example of the humans and hundreds of Malnet ships dropped into near-Earth orbit with millions of soldiers. The ships could offer no help other than transport because they had to stay out of the range of the nuclear missiles. The ground reinforcements were helping due to their sheer numbers, but the humans knew the terrain and every inch of ground came with an astonishing cost. Captain Garla had reflected on all of this on a short ride from the rear command post. His unit of a thousand warriors was to have taken the lightly guarded refinery days ago, but damned humans repelled every push inflicting heavy casualties. Update! The captain demanded gruffly, his eyes fixed on the target on the slight rise from their position. The sergeant in charge of the squad involuntarily twitched his short tail as he tried to find his voice. The humans have created fortified defenses, sir, and are holding the facility despite our best efforts. Captain Grala violently struck the officer with a heavy furred paw. I know this. It is why I am here. What I don't know is why. Reports indicated there were only a few dozen humans defending the target. The sergeant remained on the floor, a small pool of dark blue blood staining the ground from the cut above its eye. As far as we know, this is true, but each time we have advanced, the team leaders are killed before we even get to fighting range. And why haven't we fought back? snarled the captain. We don't know where they are. They are shooting from concealment. Soldiers are reporting that the shots are coming from the rocks, bushes, and even from the completely empty ground. But we have never seen humans move to those positions, unless they have the ability to stay in one position for days just to kill us. We don't know how they are doing it. Our soldiers are now afraid to even go out. Their heckles are raised at every boulder or bump in the terrain. We have killed some of our troops to make an example to others, but this has not improved morale. The sergeant replied, How many have we lost? 320 soldiers, plus the six cowards that we killed ourselves. And how many humans have we eliminated? The sergeant paused at this. We think four. It is difficult to be certain. The humans dragged their wounded back behind the lions for some reason, so we don't know if the injured ones die or not. 
The captain had heard of this behavior and shook his head. He rounded snout began to twitch in anger. This operation was indicative of how the invasion was going from all reports across the planet, and now there was word that systems that the Malnet had secured centuries ago were beginning to cause trouble as the military resources had all been diverted here. He shuddered to think what would happen to the Malnet Empire if the species under their control could actually see what the humans were doing to their forces. No matter what happened anywhere else, though the Captain Grana was going to take the facility and personally feast on the flesh of whoever commanded the humans. He had brought another 500 soldiers and a heavy armor to battle. One way or another, this would end today. I understand you have established communications with the facility, the captain said. Yes, well, they captured one of our soldiers and have been broadcasting noise over his comm to us constantly. It seems to consist of heavy pounding sounds repeated in a rhythm that the humans seem to enjoy. We had to embadden the frequency. The sergeant replied, Good, I'll speak to them myself. The captain snapped as the comms operator brought him over a headset and then engaged the translator and opened the channel, nodding to the captain as it opened. With no speaker wired, the sergeant could only listen to the captain's side of the conversation. Humans! Humans, this is, uh, I am. If you want to live, you will have to turn off that noise. The captain shouted. That is better. I am Captain Grala. My men have told me that you fought bravely. Our people respect good soldiers. However, to die in vain is foolish. I know you can see that we have brought more soldiers and armored vehicles. This is a battle you cannot win. Now lay down your weapons and surrender, and I promise you all quick deaths. The room paused, all eyes on the captain as he listened to the response. Finally, he said, You have made a wise choice. The captain removed the headset. Sergeant, even these humans know the rational choice when they see it. Prepare the men to move on the facility. I want to be at the head of the column when we enter it. The sergeant nodded as the captain left the room. Once he was gone, the sergeant turned to the comm officer. You are listening. What exactly did the humans say? The comm officer looked puzzled. They seemed to have given up. When the captain ordered them to lay down their weapons, they just said, uh, come and take them. End of story. Story number two. Tattoo, written by no good ID names. Hyland took a moment to compose herself before she entered the medical wing. Her fronds faded from agitated pink to calm blue. Her girl stilled with a frantic flutter. She took a breath. This always was the hardest part of her work. They took the news in different ways. Shouting and screaming were bad. Crying was harder. It was difficult to be professional with battle-hardened warriors weeping in front of her. The worst ones tried to tear off the offending limbs or kill themselves rather than face an abomination that they'd become. Abomination, it may be, it was necessary. Civilians who'd lost a limb could go without, learning to live handicapped. But this was war. Soldiers had to work at peak efficiency, and that meant the twisted marriage of flesh and metal that Highland had to work with so often. She calmed them and comforted them, but they were always changed afterwards. Their former comrades never treated them the same, and now how could they? 
The patients themselves seemed to diminish, shell-shocked, like their arms or legs had stolen their vitality when they left. Still, the recent progress in the field was definitely helping. The prosthetics were becoming more and more realistic, more indistinguishable from living flesh. The soldiers could pretend, almost believe, that they had not become a monster. She stroked the data sheet with a long webbed finger. Hmm. This particular patient was one of the mercenaries picked up from the various neutral systems, from a fledgling race known as the humans. They were rarely seen, and the doctors had never needed to make a prosthetic for such a species before, but they had done their best and assured her that it was up to par. She'd have to see for herself. She opened the door. The human was conscious, sitting on the bed never designed for his race, secured for his own safety. His prosthetic arm was well done, so well done that Highland had to check the chart to know which was which. But it was his face that we was more concerned with. His eyes, startlingly high on his head, were wide and an alien blue. His teeth were bared in a snarl, but Highland had been told that it was a human. Such a threat of display was actually a social gesture of greeting and familiarity. Hi, he said. Highland tried to return the expression by drawing her teeth back at Field Bazaar. Lance Corporal Simon Grant, Pespacidal Highland, your caretaker, are you uh, aware of what has happened? Yep. He said cheerfully, I got my arm blown off all the way down in Miscarate, so you guys fixed me up with a new one. What? Who told you? This is bad. Patients had to be told with such trauma event by a trained professional. The very idea that someone could callously told him and then left him alone. Luckily, he seemed hysterical. They tended not to harm themselves until the shock wore off. Oh, no one told me, he said, mouth still bared in a human smile. I figured it out. If you didn't want me to know, you should have kept my tattoo. Island flicked through her notes. Your what? He pulled off his collar and revealing a discoloration on his pectoral. Island leaned in closer. It appeared to be a pattern forming symbols that she could only assume were human language. You guys don't have tattoos, he asked. It's where you stab ink into your skin to make a picture. Stays there for the rest of your life. Highland pulled her head back so fast that it hit the wall. Her fronds flushed crimson. The idea, the very idea that someone would bring a... a dye into their body just to make a... Uh, picture. She found her voice, but not as well as she wanted. <laughs> your arm. Yeah. I was thinking about that, he said. What's the point of getting a robot arm if nobody knows it? This one looks too much like the one I had before. Any way you guys can give me bare bones on the thing? Just the metal. Bare bones. And, I was thinking, could you get the techies to put a weapon or something onto it? A gun would be badass. But even Switchblade would be sweet. If, 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 if you could, uh, uh, uh excuse me, um, just for a second... Highland backed away towards the door, clutching the data sheet like a shield. Sure, take your time, but don't think about it. He waved her off with his prosthetic, so smoothly, so easily, as if it were his regular arm and not a metal thing. She made it out of the door in the hallway. She leaned against the wall for support and tried to make her girl settle down. Breathe, breathe. 
Eventually, calm returned. She looked at the human's door. Freaks the frick out of me, she muttered. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.